and we are live with this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, week four has just commenced here in the college football season, and boy, do we have some great finishes this week in college football. A big-time top ten matchup in South Bend, ending on the final play of the game. We had a couple of other games ending in a big-time blowout in the Pac-12. A overall great week number four. Week five should be good as well, but a lot to point out going into this past week and really a big-time shakeup in the top 25 polls as a result of this big week. So very curious to see what happens in week number five, but what was your overall impressions of this week four? Well, week four gave us a lot of great games, but you mentioned the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. That stood out to me the most because I was at the dinner watching that game, and while everyone else was, you know, having a normal conversation, I was just staring at the TV <laughs> over in the bar uh, watching the uh, the storm that was brewing for both these teams. But lots of great games. SEC action was great. Pac-12 got a little bit more interesting for a couple games, which I'm sure we'll, sure we'll get into. Yep. But uh, I think I'm going to defer to you now, and you can kind of kick it off and tell our viewers what happened in week five. Well, we're at week number four. Uh, I'm sorry. What's going to, in week four and what's going to happen in week five? My apologies. Well, let's start off with what happened in week number four. And we just talked about that Ohio State game. I think that's a perfect way to start off the show. I mean, unbelievable game. I know it was low scoring. A lot of people like those high scoring games. But this game had everything in what you wanted in a type of game. It had a lot of drama and action filled with it. And it ended on, I guess you could call it the second to last play of the game. But it really felt like the last play of the game. Ohio State going into South Bend to take on the Irish, number six, Ohio State, and number nine, Notre Dame, respectively, going into the game. So a lot of, you know, big momentum going into this one. Two top ten teams, both looking to cement themselves into making an opportunity or getting themselves close to an opportunity to make the college football playoff. And at the end of the day, the game delivered in all of that stuff I mentioned earlier with the drama and action filled towards it. And at the end of the day, this is a game that Notre Dame, let's face facts, should have won. They came back from trailing. They were able to take the lead 14 to 10. They were down they were they were down 10 nothing at one point in the game. Were able to rally off some points and give themselves a 14 to 10 lead. They got stopped, backed into their own territory, had an opportunity to ice the game on their last possession offensively and some really questionable play calling from Notre Dame cost them this game on the offensive side of the ball. Um mostly for me when I watched that drive Notre Dame was really running the ball efficiently in that fourth quarter. And on first down, they ran the ball, got six yards. And you think to yourself, okay, they'll run out the clock, get a first down, and ice this game and win. On second down, they run a play action, almost got intercepted. So that could have been disastrous. And then on third down, they decided to run the ball again just to milk more clock. Actually, I'm wrong. I believe there was... A pass that was almost intercepted, but there was a flag called, and then yes. they ran the ball on third down to just milk that clock. So, Notre Dame gives them the ball back. Ohio State goes down the field. There was a third and 19 at the Notre Dame 22, and that was a result of a intentional grounding that was called on the previous second down play. Ohio State converts the third and 19 unbelievably, and then I believe it was three plays later, or was it? It was fourth down. My 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 apologies. A fourth and goal at practically the two to one yard line. Ohio State runs the ball, gets the game winning touchdown, 
And with one second left, they win this one by a final of 17-14. They go to 4-0 in the season. And just a heartbreaking loss for the Irish. This was a game that, like I mentioned, was very winnable. Should have been won at the end of the day. And they just made a lot of mental mistakes down the stretch. I talked about that touchdown. The final two plays defensively for Notre Dame, they had 10 people on the field. And that's what ultimately cost them in this game. Ohio State ran the ball in the direction of that missing 11th player on the field for the Irish. So just a really frustrating loss if you're a Notre Dame fan. And for Ohio State, you got to be really happy with how this one finished out. Well, here's the thing. When uh, a certain hardball said that Ryan Day was pretty much born on third base in regards to his coaching career, he was born on third base because this is – him benefiting from not something not of himself. This is something that not something he did not create this win. They he was actively trying to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory during this entire game. But yeah, Marcus Freeman yeah, was trying to do the exact same thing either. And I will give Marcus Freeman a pass rather than Ryan Day, because let's be real, Ryan Day's been around coaching for way longer than Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman had a uh would you say a cup of coffee in the NFL? I know he never made a team, but would you Barely, say a cup yeah. of coffee? He had a cup of coffee on some practice squads. He had a good college career, whatever. He really doesn't go like become a real big-time college assistant, I'm going to say, up until 2013, 2014 when he gets to Purdue. So right. realistically, and he was a linebacker's coach. That's what he started off as. So for him to actually have like practical coaching experience, I guess as you know, a big time offensive or defensive assistant, it didn't really happen until maybe 2016, 2017 on that same Purdue Boilermakers team. So you see the inexperience here. This is his first big coaching gig. Granted, I know this is Ryan Day's first big coaching game too, but he was already in the spotlight. He was in the spotlight back in 2018 when Urban Meyer was placed on quote unquote administrative leave. For a couple games back in 2018. All right. So he's been in the spotlight before. He's been the head coach now for, I believe, this is his fifth season. I believe. And so, he yeah. is a guy that has not improved as a head coach. Year and year after, he is not improving. He's regressing each year. And if Marcus Freeman was a little bit more experienced, if he had 11 guys on the field, because remember, that game winning touchdown, there was a 10th, there was only 10 men on the field for Notre Dame, and that huge g- gap in the coverage could have been filled by the 11th man. Right. If Marcus Freeman was a little bit more of an experienced head coach, Ryan Day would have lost, and this would have been a major upset for Notre Dame. I think but, it was a it was a mix of both teams really were not capitalizing on the other yeah, team. Yeah, no, they were having they were trying the to give the game try. away to each other. That's right. what it came down to. Both these teams or both these coaches did not have their teams to prepare to win. And if it was if it was up to me, I I think Ryan Day even though he wins this game this adds more fuel to the fire that he should be fired. Because Jim Jim Harbaugh is right. This is a guy who was placed on third base, and he can't get home. Well, you know, he's not the only coach that spoke about Ryan Day's team this past week. We saw what Lou Holtz said about the Ohio State team as a general, saying that compared to other teams like Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, they're not as tough as those teams are. And you saw in the postgame speech from Ryan Day, he was very fired up about that comment made by Lou Holtz and he talked about the toughness of this team and winning again listen I'm not an Ohio State fan but you gotta admit the toughness of this team on that final drive to get down the field and especially on that third and 19 to convert and get the game when he touched that was the 
I agree. It, it's just bad defense from Notre Dame down the stretch of this game, and that's a shame considering how good of a defensive game they played most of this way. And a signature win right there for the, for the Buckeyes. I mean, Kyle McCord, the freshman, biggest win of his career by far, and it's a big hurdle for Ohio State now that they get past because you look at the rest of the schedule, it's not really tough up until they play Penn State and Michigan. Those are really the two biggest games they have left on their schedule. So Ohio State just needs to win out from here if you know, make sure they get their work done in those two games and they'll be in the college football playoff. Yeah, no, the uh, I, I kind of agree with what you said here, but I guess uh, my main point is going forward, I, I don't see Ohio State, even though they te- we're gonna get into this later, they technically move up in the AP poll poll. They did. If I was the if I was a, if I had a vote, I would have dropped Notre Dame by probably about ten spots. And I would have dropped Ohio State by five. I think it was that horrific game. You can have all the talent you want on the field. I think Notre Dame's quarterback is by far one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I'm not saying draft prospect wise, but just as a college football player, like Stetson Bennett was, absolutely phenomenal quarterback. But is the coaching going to hold him back? And at the end of the day, if it the answer to that is yes. I would drop both of them after this win, or after this uh, after this game. Listen, I'll end it with this. I mean, Notre Dame, it's just another loss that is going to sting for a while. And they've had a lot of those losses these past, I would say, years, but it's pretty much decades at this rate. They just have not been able to win those big-type games, and now they unfortunately lose this one to Ohio State, and they'll need a lot of help to even get in, back into the consideration to make the college football playoff. They'll have a chance this upcoming weekend to help their case in a rare road matchup with another team that's ranked in the ACC, which we'll get to later, a little bit later on in the show when we preview that game. But I think, Johnson, we have to talk about this next one. And unfortunately for the fans of Colorado, it was a rough Saturday afternoon for the Buffaloes. Oh, man, that was um... not I mean, good. I'll, I'll... I'll go into the pre-show, and I, I was a firm believer in Colorado going back to last year. Yep. Coach Prime, love to see it. But if I had known that they were going to disrespect Oregon's logo and yep. the field before the game, I would have taken Oregon minus 35. They really set their... That is extremely bad juju. It's disrespectful. Um, They were kind of asking for it. So And Oregon responded. Yeah, they they responded in a huge way in this game. Blowing out Colorado by a final of forty-two to six. I mean, you you saw basically what went down in this one for the Ducks. Dan Lanning had this team fired up and ready. He had that big time speech before the game, and that's another thing. If I had no, we had known about that, we probably would have taken Colorado plus twenty-one. That, that was, was one of the greatest pregame speeches that I've ever seen. Playing for they're playing for clicks, and, and we're playing won. for wins. No, and he's right too. Listen, absolutely on the money. With no, that. Listen, listen. There's nothing wrong with playing for clicks when you're a right. new. I should say new program. It's not like all oh, Colorado's new to college football. They were national players years ago, um, but new in the sense of they're back and they have some flash and they got some grit and they you know the media spotlights on them. That's fine when you're building a program. It, you could fundamentally to get attention and, and grab new recruits. That is fine, but. An established program like Oregon, he said it best. He's playing for wins because at this point, they're not flashy. They don't have to be flashy. They kind of have a set culture. They have players. They have a system. They just need wins now. 
where Colorado's right. still trying to find that identity. Right. And, and, and listen, it's we knew going into the game they were they would kind of be a struggle against Sarah. They didn't have Travis Hunter due to injury, and it really showed on both sides of the ball. I mean, Colorado's offense just did not look like the same team we saw in the first couple of weeks of the season. Their defense got torched up by Bo Nix and that Oregon Ducks team. Oregon ran a fake punt as well at one point in this game. And it just, and Dion even said it. I mean, it was a good old fashioned butt whooping in his words as they beat him on every aspect of the, of the field, whether in offense, defense, and special teams. So it's, I'll say this for Dion. I mean, it's a learning experience to have a game like this because now you know that these teams are going to want to try to run up the score and get some style points against you the rest of the season. And you could see that again this week with their big matchup with USC. So they really need to rebounce back this upcoming weekend against the, the uh, Trojans. Otherwise, it's going to be back-to-back really bad losses. And listen, like like you said, it's still a rebuilding process for this team because of all the turnover they had from last season. But considering how they started the year, you would have liked to have seen a little bit more fight for them in this game. Yeah, and maybe we'll get some more fight next week. But the next game I want to talk about is Florida State continuing to play down their competition. Now, I am a believer in Florida State. I think they I said they were going to be back. They were going to go back to the glory days of having Jimbo Fisher. Uh, what, I shouldn't say, is that really their true glory days? Not probably not. Probably not. It's glory days. But, but uh, the most recent version of their glory days when Jimbo was coaching there and he was winning, uh, he was winning having undefeated seasons, winning bowl games, national championships. Right. They continue to play down to their competition. I don't want to say Jekyll and Hyde because I don't think Jekyll and Hyde is right if a team is winning. But to say that a team is pull, is playing down to their competition, they go down 10 early on, they have a big second half, and is it fair? To, is it more to say that Clemson choked or that Florida State came back? For, uh, Clemson 100% choked. I mean, you got to keep in mind, they had a field goal opportunity late in the fourth quarter. And it was, and they missed it. I believe why left, and yes, they did. That that would have given them the lead late in the game, and because they didn't make it, the game went into overtime, and and Florida State immediately scored on their first possession, and that was the difference of this game. I mean, they got a big uh, strip sack fumble recovery for a touchdown to tie the game at twenty four. They end up holding on this one thirty one to twenty four. So. But Clemson, this is a game that just got away from them. I mean, they had an opportunity like Notre Dame did earlier. We talked about them earlier, where. They had their chances to win this game. They just didn't capitalize at the end of the day, and they let Florida State come back and win this game. And now they go to 2-2 two and two in the season. Both of their losses coming in conference play, that really could effectively end your chances of maybe Their season is done. Yeah, that pretty much end, most likely will end their chances of making the ACC championship game. So it's been a rough year for the Tigers so far, and – for Florida State, they got a big break. I mean, this is the second straight week where they've had a really close encounter, but were able to hold on at the very last minute, and now they remain undefeated going into Week Five. Yeah, so Florida State, they—I mean, I don't want to say they're firing on on all cylinders, but they're kind of uh, maybe defense, sputtering out a little bit right now. But their defense is—I I want to say—they're not playing they, good right now. They're not playing good, but they've been able to get the stops when they've had to. Right. So they're not like it's kind of been you know what it reminds me of that Super Bowl team that the Patriots had back in twenty eighteen with the Eagles where it was Ben don't break the entire season but when they got to the Super Bowl they just broke right 
So if Florida State does make it that far in the national, and they do make it to the national championship, I'm afraid they're just going to break in the national championship no matter who they play. But it's still early in the season. We're four games in. Come talk to me in a couple weeks, and we'll have a better analysis. Right. I mean, there's it, like like you said, it, it's only week four. We still don't know how the rest of the season's going to play out. But with the way these close games have happened for them these last two weeks, it really gives you the uh, notion that maybe any of these ACC teams could give them a run for their money. Um, they have some tough games on their schedule in the next couple of weeks. They end their season at, at Florida in the swamp, which is not going to be an easy game. So who knows how this team ends out in terms of not only in conference play, but also in the great aspect and the, you know, the big aspect of making the college football playoffs. So there's still a lot of work to be done, but they need to just figure out their defensive issues the next couple of weeks. So I'm curious to see how they'll turn around from this game going into their next one. But we'll go to our next game here on the schedule and let's talk about Alabama getting a big bounce back win, beating Ole Miss at home by a final 24 to 10. Jalen Moreau looked a little bit better in this one, Andrew. I mean, did it have a really bad interception he, in the red yeah, zone? So he, he did stare down his receiver yeah, earlier, he a, but he did. He had a other really than bad that, he looked pretty good. Right. He he. That's all, and that's really all Alabama's hoping for. They're hoping that he can learn from those mistakes and play better to his ability. And he did pretty much that in the second half. That that was this game was pretty much a tale of two halves in this one. Ole Miss realistically could have won this game. They played really good in the first half, just were not able to make you know a lot of their opportunities to capitalize on them. And Alabama, despite a really bad offensive first half, was only down a point going into halftime. And then the second half was all Crimson Tide. They outscored the Rebels by a score of 18-3. to uh, Moreau had a nice game, four incompletions. Jace McLennan, though, was the big story for Bama. 17 for 105 and a touchdown. That's been, big for, that's been the story for Alabama so far on the season in terms of offense. They've been able to run the ball very efficiently. And that's what's helping them stay in these games. Their defense played really strong in the second half, forced Jackson Dart to throw an interception, and really just shut down this entire Ole Miss offense. And it gives the Tide some hope now going into the rest of SEC play, getting a big win like that, and now seeing where they go in the next couple weeks. Yeah, no, Alabama's been uh, – this was kind of a litmus test for them because we didn't know how they can respond – after, I mean, they looked a lot better against USF. and I'm sorry, a lot better this week than they did against USF because, right. my God, that was hard. I think, you know what, we gave Jalen Milrow a lot of crap. But I feel like if he played against USF, they would have won by 50 points. Probably. If he, if he was able to play a, I don't want to say legit SEC team in, in Ole Miss, um, but a very good team, SEC team in, in Ole Miss, I think they'll be fine the rest of the season. I, they, I think they'll probably end up losing a game or two. The rest of the year, they might. Also, we could we could see uh, three loss Bama this year. It's very possible. Yeah. Uh, but the jury's still out on them, and come talk to me in about two weeks. Yeah, it's a weird talk because Alabama's been known for these high-powered offensive teams, and you're not seeing it that th- this year with this team. But their defense could easily be a reason why they get back into the, the you know the thick of it just because of how good they played. I know they had a little bit of a hiccup against Texas, but Texas has shown that they can score points. So that it's not a bad bad loss at the end of the day, considering where the long ones are currently ranked. But Bama has an opportunity to keep their, themselves alive. They just need to win out realistically. And you said it, they have some tough games on the schedule, but if there's any coach that can make sure that they get ready for those games and have an opportunity, it's definitely Nick Saban. So 
Never count out the tie. They still have a chance. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the greatest college coaches of all time. But like I said, he's got to sometimes get he's got to get with the times pretty soon because it could be uh, he could get stuck in them. So he's uh, he's got to modernize his playbook a little bit. Yeah. So we'll see how Bama does the rest of, of this the uh, next couple of weeks. But let's talk about a rare low scoring affair in the Pac-12. Didn't really expect to see this type of a game between UCLA and Utah. A 14-7 final win for the Utes, so the Utes do remain unbeaten. They had a pick six on the first play of scrimmage in this game, so they were able to set the tone. Defense played strong for them throughout three quarters, gave up a touchdown in the fourth. But Utah remains unbeaten so far in the season. They now go to 4-0. Bruins fall to their first defeat of the season. And you got to like what Utah's been doing the last couple of years in the Pac-12, and now obviously they're not going to be in the Pac-12 next season. They're one of the teams going to the Big 12, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes. I'm, this conference realignment is still getting very confusing to me, so I need to try to get it all you know, under my belt and make sure I have all the information correct. But Utah gets the win nonetheless, remains unbeaten. They won a Pac-12 championship last year. They're in line to try to do it again this year, and they've done it with their backup quarterback throughout the first four games, so that's a great job by Utah to keep, you know, remain unbeaten. But as you see in their schedule, Johnson, they have a tough road game this upcoming weekend, and I'm curious to see how that road environment will fate will you know factor into it because we saw what happened to them against Baylor. They almost lost that game on the road and had to score a very late touchdown just to tie the game. It sent and almost sent it into overtime before they scored the eventual game winner. Um, I'm very curious to see how they do this upcoming weekend against Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, Oregon State, that is a team that uh, I am a firm believer in, like I said. But um, do, do we want to get into the next game with, involving Oregon State? We can we go wanna... into the next game with Oregon State and Washington State because this was the type of game I was expecting from Utah and UCLA. It turns out a bunch of points being scored between these two Pac-12 schools. There was 21 points scored in the first and second quarter combined between the two teams. Then the third quarter had a little bit of a – a little bit of a hiccup, but then the fourth quarter, Oregon State made it interesting. They outscored the Cougars 21 to 3. Unfortunately for them, they fall at the end of the day, losing this one 38 to 35. I talked about it going into this game, Andrew. Um, Washington State's quarterback Cameron Ward has been a beast so far for them on the young season. And man, did he have himself a day against the Beavers. 28 to 34, 404 yards and four touchdowns. Just very efficient for this Washington State team. They remain unbeaten. I really have liked what they've done so far on this young season. And Oregon State, no no disrespect, they played a good game too. It's just their defense at the end of the day could not get them They woke up too late. That that, that was the issue. They they decided to let three quarters of football pass by them. Really the first half. If that first half doesn't happen, if Oregon State comes to play, the way they did in the second half, this isn't even a game. I think Oregon State probably blows them out, but this is why you play the game. This is why you play the game of football. It is not something you play on paper. You get all the athletes together and you play them. That's why you have great upsets. That's why you have uh, moments like this. You know, who would have thought that we would be talking about Oregon State, Washington State being a such a crucial matchup in the final year of a packed Big Twelve program? And those are the two teams that are still staying I'm in sorry. the Pac twelve. Yeah, I mean, the, listen, the Pac-12 is going to uh, – it's not going to be a conference well, anymore. Who knows what's going to happen? We don't know yet. I, I don't know if it's going to be a conference anymore, but uh, I want Oregon State to do it because I thought they would be the team to maybe of Oregon State and Washington State 
the Beaver team to win the Pac-12 had the best chance. It's looking like Washington State now. So, hey, I know I picked Oregon State, but if Washington State wins the Pac-12, they're my number two team. It's 1A, 1B right now. That would be fun if they were to win it. It's going to be tough, obviously, with Oregon and oh, USC very, very tough. But, the way they're playing right now. But, but hey, it looks like they got the firepower because Oregon State's no slouch of a team, and he he was able to throw for 400 yards. So right. Cameron Ward, I'm telling you, he, he's, a, he's a really good quarterback prospect. I mean... I don't know what in terms of NFL draft wise, but he's playing some really good ball right now for this Cougars team in terms of college. And he gives this team a really good opportunity to win and stay alive in the Pac-12, which is why who knows what could happen the rest of the season. Their next game is at UCLA, so that will be a tough road test for them. But I think they have a really good chance of being a dark horse to win this conference if they're able to win these big type of you know profile matchups down the rest of the season. Yeah, no, this is going to be something that we look for that we're going to be look forward to because now I guess I'm looking for I'm, I'm going to be looking for uh, Washington State's game now. I mean, All right, yeah, uh, I know we're playing California, so it can uh, it can be a little bit difficult in the East Coast to get some maybe. Yeah, I mean not California. They play in the West Coast. Excuse yeah. me, they play in Washington State. Uh, yeah. um, it's good. I'm, I'm the main thing I'm going for. It's Pacific time. It's Pacific time zone. So it's the Pacific Ocean. We have a friend that calls it. The West Ocean, because you know geography is not his strong suit. Oh man, I think you're gonna bring that up. I mean, yeah, but listen, it's it's funny, but it um, is. But when you see those like start times, like in prime time over there, we saw it in the Colorado game. I know it's their mountain time, but it's, you know, let's not split hairs. When they start at 10 p.m. on the East Coast over here, especially when you have a game going into it, like that Florida game that goes that spills over. You potentially have a game going on until two or three o'clock in the morning in the on the East Coast, and that's just a rough watch. Um, so maybe we can get some Washington State football games in the afternoon. Make it make it a part of like the four o'clock slate, like the NFL does it. That'd be beautiful. But yeah, maybe you could dream, right? Yeah, I mean, we saw no with Washington State. I don't want to stay up to two o'clock in the morning. Like right, that's what happened with the Colorado the game a couple weeks ago. The same thing happened. That game didn't end until two a.m. because it went to it went to overtime. Yeah, I don't want to be doing that. I know Washington State. I know it's West Coast. I know it's. Um, I, I said California, but I meant Washington, obviously. Uh, but I know the times haven't been determined yet. But uh, I know they're playing UCLA at three p.m. this upcoming week. Can we stick like that? Make a new big two new weeks, kickoff yeah. over there. In two weeks. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's bye week. It's a tough week right now. No, I know. There's, a, there's a lot of high action going on, but the Pac-12. I'm telling you what, man. We 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 you know we give it a lot of crap, but they're ha- it's giving us some good football. It's exciting, right now. and I want to watch it, but it's too late now. I know. I mean, you got teams like Washington, USC, Oregon, Washington State now, Oregon State, Colorado. I mean, you got all these teams really and, looking and you, good. I think you have eight teams that people would want to tune in and, and watch on the East Coast, but it's just it's too late. And six of them are leaving, and so forth. It's really unfortunate for the entire conference. This is their best year by far, and. God knows how long. and Probably a decade. Maybe more than that. I was going to say probably since Andrew Luck Stanford. Uh, yeah, I guess in terms of star power, maybe, yeah. I, I don't think that's not, not necessarily a bad thing. If not that, then it's got to be when USC had those really good teams during the mid-2000s. But we digress. It's been a minute. Um, Speaking of USC, they're going to be moving to the Big Ten. We'll get into our final, you know, game of the weekend. Not much to really talk about this one. It was a pretty much a blowout in terms of how badly Iowa's offense was in this game. Um, when you have fifty-six yards of passing offense, Andrew, I don't want to talk about it. You're not going to win football games. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
This was a rough watch. Yeah, Drew Drew Aller threw, throws for four touchdowns. Penn State rolls to a thirty-one nothing win. I mean, I could have swore that I would have would have gotten at least one touchdown, maybe even a touchdown in the field goal. You know, when they it, gave me the line, I think it was what thirty-eight and a half. Yep. You know how like, bad it was? I figured they could score once at least. Jeez. During the game, if you were live betted in the third quarter for Iowa to get a field goal or just a single point, it was plus odds. The the the, the odds makers didn't gave no faith in the Iowa offense, and they had every reason to do so. They just played a really bad offensive game against Penn State, and a good showing from the Indian Lions. They've had a good start to the season now, going four and zero with this win. They did move up in the top twenty five polls. I did mention, though, they will be playing Ohio State in a couple of weeks, just about almost a month, and they're going to be in Columbus for that game. So that's not going to be an easy game for the Indian Lions. But if their defense plays like this, they'll give the Ohio State Buckeyes a big time, you know, I like Penn State over them right now. Money. I know Maybe. it's only been four weeks, but for the first four weeks, Penn State looks like a way better team. The only it's issue for Penn State has been they're one of those teams like Notre Dame, and I hate to say it like that, but – in terms of big they don't game shine situa- right in the big moments. Right. Big game situation. They don't step up in the moment and they unfortunately lose. So they've got to make sure that they step up in that moment. It's never easy to go into Columbus and win a game, but I like their chances. I think they have the better in my opinion, I like Allard more than McCord in terms of quarterback play. And I like the way their defense is currently playing. I know they haven't really played the biggest of competitions so far in terms of offense, but that will be a good litmus test to see what this team can be the rest of the season. And I think they'll give Ohio State a run for their money, but that's still like a complete, you know, we have a, a full month before we even get to talk about that game. So we'll have to see how those two teams do. But before we go into our week five preview, uh, Andrew, any noteworthy changes you saw in this week's AP top 25 poll? I know there was a couple of movement in terms of the top 10, New teams entering the top 25 polls as well. I guarantee you, I know you're going to talk about one team entering the top 25 polls. Would you like to guess that team? Oh, I know it. I know who exactly it is. It's going to be Rock Chalk. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Like I said, I don't like Kansas basketball, but man, Kansas football, I'm a big fan of because I love the underdog. Uh, This is a Kansas team that made a bowl game last year. It's going back to the Mark Man. It's almost like a throwback to the Mark Mangino Kansas days, right? Yep. This is probably the best couple teams we've had since Mark Mangino. And for them to be ranked at 24, it is great to see. Uh, also at number 25, Fresno State. Yes, Fresno State of the Mountain Bulldogs, West. Yeah. yeah, and could be a Pac-12 team next year. Who knows with how the conference is going. Uh, entering. So I think the first time we're ranked under uh, Derek Carr. Yeah, they were definitely right into the Derek Carr. Yeah, so this is like this is like a throwback to Derek Carr. They're playing some great football. This blown out their competition. They're gonna play Nevada this upcoming Saturday. Uh, start off the season with a couple Power Five wins against Arizona State and Purdue. Granted, I know Arizona State and Purdue Purdue are not the premier members of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, but they're still Power Five wins. So if I think they can be beat the lower end of Power Five teams like that. They definitely should be in a Power 5 conference. Should the realignment happen, they go to the Pac-12 and it becomes more of like a Power 4 plus the Pac-12 as like a secondary conference. Uh, very team to look out for. A lot of Mountain West teams like Wyoming, and I would probably put Boise State in there because of the historical yep. uh, dominance. But yeah, uh, Fresno State at 25, Kansas at 24 I liked. Uh, Duke standing strong at 17. 
How funny is it that these basketball schools, North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, all ranked in the top 25 in football? Yeah, you would think you're looking at a college basketball team right now. The only only problem is Georgia's absolutely horrid at that sport. sport, So uh, they wouldn't belong there at all. But all these other teams, probably besides Georgia, Penn State, uh, Washington State, all these other teams, if you said, hey, this is, you know, quasi-college basketball rankings, well, like from whatever year, I would kind of believe it. Like if you said, oh, yeah, it's the AP poll in 2007, I would maybe believe you. Right. It would be, you know, it'd be whatever, you know, if, but Georgia and Penn State to me are the ones that throw it off. But uh, Notre Dame going down to 11, you know, only dropping a couple spots. Oh, man. Uh, USC was the one that kind of surprised me a little bit. I think it was the that fact that was of, horrific. I mean, you're gonna raise Ohio State but lower USC. Well, I don't here, like it. I, I see the reasoning why you you look at USC schedule. They haven't played anyone yet, so that also that hurts them at the end of the day. One, you play who's in front of you though. Right, I'm not. No, gonna, I'm not no, gonna, I agree. For them to get a win and drop three spots like that is horrific. I think it's in terms of the teams that are above them. They've looked more dominant. Compared to Again, USC, I'm going to say Ohio State, who they've looked like hot garbage for three weeks of the right, season. Right, but you can you can make the same case for Florida State because they they've only looked good in one game so far this season. Yeah, but here's the thing: like Florida State has played nothing but Power Five schools outside of Southern Miss. Right. That, that I know they're not good Power Five teams. I know it's Clemson and Boston College, but I I would hope, and I, I'm going to stress, I would hope that Clemson and Boston College are better wins. Been the Youngstown State Youngstown State Penguins. No offense to them, and the, yes, that's true. And the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. <laughs> I mean, let's be real for a second. Bailey yeah, Zappi, uh, legend. I know. Listen, Bailey Zappi's not there anymore. College College legend had I think had six thousand passing yards Something and like, like fifty that. touchdowns. Broke the record. Really good quarterback in college. But listen, they struggled mightily against Indiana and Notre Dame. That is a massive red flag to me. Well, I don't think Notre Dame is a red flag. Notre Dame is a good team this year. Well, Indiana mainly. Indiana, yeah. It's not a. It's not Hoosier basketball. It's Hoosier. Uh, Hoosier it's football. still like I said. It's still very early, and USC's got a big game this weekend that easily could move them up in the polls too. I know the team that they're playing this week, Colorado, is no longer in the AP top twenty-five, but they already, you know, they still have made some noise in the rankings to the point where USC with a good strong win could move up in the poll and oh, I, who knows if some one of those teams in front of them also lose then easily they move up in the top in the top 10 no matter what i would just like to mention that ruckus is now uh four and over versus the spread um great te- good teams win but great teams uh cover go the, ruckus they good, almost the had, push they uh, no they had they covered actually because there's a lot of people had 24 and a half and then they moved the line so they oh, covered the initial line okay. was 24 and a half so they're still undefeated um, but Rutgers looked very good outside of a couple boneheaded plays. They missed a kick early on in the game, which kind of sunk their battleship. Um, and they had a couple of boneheaded, uh, like an interception, which they gave up. But that game was a lot closer than the scoreboard indicates. I think if Rutgers didn't, you know, make a couple really bad mistakes, it probably would have looked something like maybe a 24 17 uh, win for Michigan, which, granted, you can't really sugarcoat losses. There are no, you know, you know, moral, um, how can I put this? Moral There's victory. no really like moral victories in college sports, but this would have been one if Rutgers kept it a little bit closer. I think very teamed monitor coming up. Maybe can make a bowl game this year. Who knows? Well, only, uh, they only need three more wins to be bowl eligible. I was looking at their schedule. It's going to be really, really tough playing in the Big Ten, but I 
think it's possible. I know they could squeeze out two. I don't know about three. Well, you never know. Any given Saturday, as they say. But I'm glad you brought up sp- the spreads and, you know, in terms of te- good teams covering and winning because it's a perfect segue into the mushing hour. Week number five in college football. Um, not going to sugarcoat it. We all pretty much had a very bad week number four. <laughs> yeah, well, let's be real. Um, we've had, at least me and you, we've been pretty good with college. I'm yeah. five games above 500. You're five games above 500. And Grayson, unfortunately, is five games below 500. Yeah. However, he's been better with the NFL. So the NFL is sure. his sport. That is his sport. I'm better with college. You are better in college, and he is better in the NFL. So we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Well, we'll look to build up on our strengths this week with college football as we have a bunch of games on this week five slate that could really make a big impact in the college football playoff standings, except for maybe one game, but that was for personal reasons why I put this game on there. You'll see in a little bit. Let's start off with the first game, and a big-time Pac-12 matchup between number 10 Utah and number 19 Oregon State. We talked about these two teams, Utah getting the win over UCLA this past week, Oregon State losing a tough one to Washington State. Current line for this game, the Beavers are three-point favorites at home with the over-under being 45 points. What do you have, Andrew? So Grayson's taking Utah money line. Correct. Which he, so he's not even he's going to completely ignore the points and just take the money line, which is cool. Um, more value for him if he hits this. But I'm going to take Oregon State and the points. They bounce back. Uh, they had the explosive offense in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to say they're going to have – a following really good two quarters and maybe even a third, and they're going to taper off in the fourth quarter. So if they can just kind of hold on a little bit, that's what they're going to get. So give me Oregon State minus three. Utah looks sluggish, and Oregon State will be at home. They're preparing, while Utah has to unfortunately go on the road. This is a tough game. I really could make the case for both of these teams winning. Um, and Oregon State really could use the bounce back win because if they lose this game, they're essentially out of the Pac-12 race. So they really well, both need these this teams game. are both these teams need this win, right? I mean, listen, you could lose one game and still have a chance, but with Washington, Oregon, and USC, it's gonna be really tough to stay in that race. So it's essentially you. You're probably right. It probably is a must win for both teams, especially for more more for Oregon also State. For Oregon State, it's still must win either way for both of them. Uh, I don't see. I, I saw. I know Utah had a low scoring affair last week against UCLA. I don't see that happening for the second straight week. I think with a 45-point over-under, I'm going to take the over. I think you saw what Oregon State's defense did against Washington State. Well, I'm not comparing the two offenses between Utah and Washington State. I think Washington State has a better offense. But I think you'll see points going in this game considering the high impact for both of these teams. And it's a, it's a Friday game. Keep that in mind. This game is not on Saturday. So it's going to be a – so it's going to be a short week for both of these teams. So All right. So, so I'm going to go with the over. All right. You heard it here first. Nick's taking the first over Won't be the uh, last. <laughs> <laughs> of the uh, Bushing Hour Week 5 edition. All right. So the second game on our lineup, we have number eight USC, the Trojans on the road going to Colorado, take on the Coach Prime and the Buffaloes. The Buffaloes at home. USC minus 21 and a half point favorites on the road. Yikes. No Travis Hunter again. And 73 and a half is the slated over under. Grayson has had enough of Coach Prime. He's taken USC minus 21 half. He thinks it's going to be a more of a three score victory for 
uh, the Trojans. I'm going to take Colorado plus 21 and a half because I don't think Dion will let his team lose like this in this kind of fashion two weeks in a row. Um, they're going to, I still think they're going to lose. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're going to lose by the magnitude, the absolute carnage that happened in the previous week. Uh, I, I think coach prime is the type of coach to, uh, tell the kids, okay, he kind of, I think he took, he probably took away his son's go, uh, Rolls Royce for the week. That's what probably happened. He probably said, you know, you're not allowed to wear, went old school a little bit, not allowed to wear the uniforms or anything like, you know, starter jackets around campus for the week. You know, get your pride back, do suicides. You're going to run the, uh, you could do, you're going to run the stairs of the stadiums during practice. He's going to kind of not run up into the ground, but get him prepped for this upcoming week. And he's not going to accept that kind of disrespect at home. So give me Colorado plus 21 and a half. Okay. I don't know, man. I love Coach Prime, but they have spurred me now in back-to-back weeks with me taking their their uh, spread. I took them in Colorado State, minus 23. Obviously, did not work. I took them last week, plus 21. Obviously, was not good. And you're facing the number one potential overall draft pick in Caleb Williams this week in a tough road game for the Trojans because Colorado will be, you know, it will be jam-packed for this game. And you know what? Call me crazy. I'm going to take the over. You're going to take the over in this game. I mean, I think that's a lot of points, man. That I, is. I, there's a reason for this. I see USC's defense and they tend to give up a lot of points. Um, especially to schools that are not as good as Colorado. Those, these are teams that are worse than Colorado. And we saw what Colorado's defense did last week against Oregon. I think USC has a better offense than Oregon. Hence me taking the over. It is a lot of points, but I took it in the Colorado, Colorado State game, and that went and over. That went over. It took, the, it, took two, it took two overtimes, but it hit. So, yeah, there's, there's a strong possibility this game could go to overtime if Colorado plays their cards right, but... I could see the overhitting as well. So I'm going to go with over for the first two picks of this week. All right. He's taking the over again. All right. And our third game of the week, uh, SEC standings uh, kind of impacted on the mid-tier. I'm going to call this a mid-tier matchup in the SEC. Uh, well, th- well, one team undefeated. The other is 3-1. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's but SEC, it's mid-tier. That's just how it rolls. That's, in that's fair. Uh, the University of Florida Gators are leaving the swamp to go to the Wildcats uh, and take on Kentucky. Kentucky minus two and a half point favorites at home. 46 and a half is the slated over under. Grayson's taking the uh, Swamp Creatures plus two and a half. I'm also going to take the Swamp Creatures plus two and a half. I, I like Kentucky. Um, not basketball, Kentucky football, because they're a, you know, a scrappy underdog, or I should say a scrappy wildcat in, the, in this case. But something about this Florida team, now that they have to, now that they're competing with both the U and Florida State for supremacy once again. It's kind of kind of lighter light a fire up them. We're kind of seeing a renaissance in Florida sports, and I, I think Florida players have that extra motivation to not get left out of the national media because if they start losing here, uh, it's going to kill their recruiting game. And I don't think any player wants to be part of that. So give me the Gators to at least cover on the road. They could come sneak out the victory, but at least give them, give me the Gators to cover. Plus two and a half are my pick and Grayson's pick. Ooh, it's put me in a tough spot because I don't really know much about the Kentucky team right now. I know they're 4-0. They just won last week against Vanderbilt. Um, but 
can't really get a big litness, you know, general feel of what this team is after beating Vanderbilt. No offense to any of their fans. Um, I will, for the sake, not take the points. I'm going to just take Florida straight up and take the money line. I could right. see Kentucky winning this game because just because it's a, you know, it's an early kickoff. You're on the road. They've had their struggles against Kentucky the last couple of years, but I think they do get this done. They're starting to hit a little bit of a nice stride right now in the season, but it will all unfortunately come crashing down for them when they play Georgia. So let them have their, you know, their moment in the sun for now. All right. I don't know how to think about that, but uh, I hope they uh, <laughs> hope they make a comeback. All righty, then. Now, uh, let's talk about, speaking of Georgia, speaking of the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs are leaving out, uh, Georgia to go to Alabama and take on Auburn. Auburn at home. Despite being at home, uh, Georgia is 14.5-point favorites on the road. Slated over under is 47. Grayson's taken Georgia minus 22. I think it's a reverse mush because he's a quasi-Auburn uh, fan. So I think, he's tr- I think he's trying to mush them into oblivion so that uh, Auburn will le- at least cover and not be embarrassed. Uh, give me Georgia minus 14 and a half. Auburn looked really bad. Against, Auburn's defense looked awful against a backup offense. quarterback. I mean, uh, I didn't get into that yet, but they're at least yeah. their defense because they played a backup quarterback in Texas A&M whose offense was absolutely terrible last year. And they struggled against a backup quarterback who was thrown into the game because of Connor Wegman's injury. Uh, hoping we're wishing him a speedy recovery and he can get back on the football field soon. Uh, but given that information, give me UGA minus 14 half. I know they've struggled offensively at points of this season, but this is the game where they pick it up. So give me the dogs minus 14 and a half on the road. Yeah, I'm going to be right with you because honestly, I don't like what uh, Auburn has done. They have played, they've had two blowout wins against two really bad teams and they barely beat Cal. And then they lost this past week to Texas A&M in really embarrassing fashion. Their offense looks really bad. There's issues with their pet, you know, the quarterback play right now, and they're facing a Georgia team that's just going to really, in my opinion, just steamroll over them. So, give me the dogs minus fourteen and a half. All right, we got dogs minus fourteen and a half for me and you. Okay, cool. The next team we have Rock Chalk Jayhawk number twenty four Kansas Jayhawks on the road taking on the Texas Longhorns number three in the country. Texas minus seventeen point favorites at home over under slate at sixty two. Grayson, again, with reverse voodoo magic because he hates these teams, has taken Texas minus 21, hoping to mush it into oblivion on purpose. Uh, I'm taking, personally, Kansas plus 17. So I figure that. I think Kansas will keep it close. They have their quarterback. They're on a roll. They're ranked again for the second time in a year. I know they didn't finish ranked last year, but at least, hey, they got a bowl game, and they should have been ranked if their quarterback and team stayed healthy for the rest of the year. So give me Rock Chalk, Jayhawk to cover. Texas Texas has looked a little bit shaky at times with Quinn Ewers. He's still an amazing quarterback, though. So give me Kansas plus 17. They keep it close, but not close enough to win. Oh, am I going to do the rare thing? I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the under in a Big 12 game. Really? Uh, I look at it like this. Texas has been... I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Texas defense has looked pretty solid this season. The most points, obviously, they've given up was to Alabama. But overall, you look at all of their games, and I'll list out the numbers. 47 total points first game. Then you had 58 their second game. 41 their third game. And their previous game, 44. They haven't even been close 
to that 62 mark that it is for this week. I think that trend continues, and I I really do like, if I had another pick, I'm not going to make two because I'm trying to get my standings correct. I would like Kansas. I think they can cover in this game. I just don't want to make two picks because right now I'm trying not to lose as many possible outcomes this week, so I would like to just keep it to one pick for the week. I mean, that's so, what I always do. I always keep it at one. Make it simple. Yeah, that's fair. So I, I'll, I'll stick with the under. A rare under in the big tw- in a Big 12 game. Yeah, that's uh, something to save at least. Okay, I did not expect that out of you to take the under in a Big 12 I game. I know. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to get frisky this week. But I digress. Okay, let's go to the next game we have here. We have the Tigers of Louisiana State University, LSU, number 13 in the country, on the road to the Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss at home, despite being at home, LSU minus two and a half point favorites on the road. 63 and a half is the slated over under. Grayson is going to take the Ole Miss money line and the over. So he says, I don't need the points. They're going to take care of business at home and they're going to do it, scoring a lot of points. But give me LSU minus two and a half. Ole Miss is going to, uh, they lost their Super Bowl last week. So they're going to lock in some clear motivation. So give me LSU minus two and a half. Well, we talked about big-time game in terms of it's a must-win. It's a must-win for both these teams. They want to have any hope in their respective division for the SEC. They both have one loss now in conference play. They cannot afford a second loss, or else it's pretty much over for them in the SEC conference. Um, I think you already know where I'm going to go with it. I had LSU a lot of expectations for them going into the season. Obviously, the first game of the year was a big, you know, um, roadblock, and unfortunately they crashed and burned in that game against Florida State. I think they're starting to get better in the last couple of weeks. You know, they're starting to play a little bit better, had a nice win this past week. I think they go on the road and get the win over Ole Miss, and I'll just take them straight up money line for this one. So give me LSU money line on the road. Straight up money line. Okay, I like it. I like it. We like it. We're taking Ole Rolling with LSU. Okay, the next game is Nick's favorite game of the week, his favorite team. Uh, Clemson Uh, is going on the road to take on his Syracuse Orange Man playing. I'm still going to call it the – I know it's like the JMA Wireless Dome now. It is the Carrier Dome. It is the Carrier Dome. I don't care what the sponsorship is. Grayson, is this going to take Syracuse Moneyline, which is extremely ballsy because (laughs) Clemson is minus seven-point favorites on the road over under sleeve at 52 a grin. Again, Grayson is taking Syracuse money line. They're going to take care of business. He says they're rattled from that Florida, um, from that Florida State game that they're not going to recover. I'm going to Nick. I, I think Syracuse is going to lose. No offense, but, gonna, but I think they're going to cover. I think they're going to lose on a field goal like score. I'm going to say they're going to lose between one to six points. So give me Syracuse, Syracuse plus seven at home. Clemson makes their recovery somewhat. This game is so personal for me because Clemson has brought me nothing but nightmares the last couple of years. They've been close, exactly. Every year, you said it right. They've been close every year. Especially last season. We had them beat at Death Valley in Clemson, and then Clay Klubnick came into the game because of an injury, a quarterback, and he led Clemson to the win in that game. And I remember calling it, too. I said that this was the same exact scenario that happened the last time. Trevor Lawrence got injured. Their backup came in. He won them the game. The same scenario happened last season. Um, and Klubnik led, led them to the win in that game, and it really infuriated me because I knew it was going to happen. So this game is personal. I need Syracuse to come out on top and get this win. I just don't know if I'm confident in it. They struggled a little bit with Army this past week. 
Their offense has been all right. Defense still is very worrying to me. They haven't really played as good. Last season, they had a really good defense compared to this year's defense. I'm going to play it safe, and I'll just take them plus seven also. I have a bad feeling they'll also lose on the last-second field goal, like you said. But my heart, my heart wants them to win. Because I it's not even for the fact that I'm a fan. I just want them you want, to be You want closure. I, I need – we have we beat Clemson a couple years ago in the Carrier Dome. I need to see it happen again. All and right. it's a new kickoff too, so I need – so. I'm hoping that that maybe plays into a factor for this game. All right, all right. We have two games left. And I didn't say the third one, so you can't call me McConaughey this week. All right. right. We have the another, I don't want to say premier SEC game, but another mid-tier SEC SEC game. game. It's an all right one because I believe in this team. We have the South Carolina Gamecocks on the road going to good old Rocky Top Tennessee, number 21 in the country. Tennessee, 12.5 point favorites at home, over under slate at 62. Grayson's rocking with Rocky Top taking 12 and a half points saying that they're going to take care of business at home win by two touchdowns. Me personally, I'm taking the Gamecocks because Spencer Rattler has been a pretty good quarterback and I think he'll keep it close on that on the road. And if you're going to give me 12 and a half points for him to keep it close when he's played good games against teams like Georgia, uh, give me, give me 12 and a half South Carolina. He's kind of been, he's been proving himself this year. It's kind of funny going into this game because these were two quarterbacks that had Heisman aspirations going into the season. Obviously, those have died down the last couple of weeks because of how the teams have played. And I think you'll see a really good matchup between both of them in terms of quarterback play. Um, I do like South Carolina also to cover in this one. I think they looked really good a couple of weeks ago against Georgia, at least in the first half of that game. Unfortunately, lost, but they did cover. So that's all that matters at the end of the day in terms of betting. And I think they do this one against Tennessee. Tennessee's been very shaky for me on the year. Um, they usually start off very slow, end, this, end their game strong. Um, I think that will play a factor into this one, and I think South Carolina will be able to cover. All right. So Nick and I agreeing once again. Look at that. It looks like we've been kind of synced up a little bit. This could be really good or really bad. Probably okay, bad. and for our final game, we have the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, number 11. Game of the week? Game of the week, maybe. Number 11, Notre Dame, who's a quasi-member of the ACC. They're going to have to decide soon. Um, going on the road, the Fighting Irish take on the Blue, the Duke Blue Devils. Excuse me. Struggling. Uh, I'm struggling here. Got Can't through all this Duke's pretty easily. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm stunned. But number 17, Duke Blue Devils at home. Notre Dame, despite being on the road, is like five and a half point favorite. 51, straight 51. Is the over-under. And Grayson's taking Notre Dame minus 10 because he has some <laughs> sort of personal vendetta and likes bushing teams. So this is his way well, of... He wants, you know Notre, he wants to bush Notre Dame any chance he can. Yeah, so sorry, Ryan Hicks, if you're listening to this. I know you do usually. It's been a rough week for Ryan. Been a little rough. They should have won against uh, Ohio State, but we yeah. won't talk about that anymore. But yeah, he's taking it. Notre Dame minus 10 to be spiteful. Uh, I'm also going to apologize, Hicks, because I think Duke will keep it close at home. Give me five and a half points. I think they might win this game. So give me five and a half points. Yeah, being at home, Duke's been pretty good. Like I said, Duke has a realistic chance to get double-digit wins. Even if they lose this game and lose to Florida State, they have a chance to get double-digit wins, but they have to win one of this. Uh, They have to take care of business, obviously, and they have to win one game against Florida, uh, Florida State, Notre Dame, or North Carolina. And I think this, honestly, coming off that, Pressing win against uh, 
or depressing loss against Ohio State, that would be typical Notre Dame for them to kind of drop this game on the road. So give me Duke plus five and a half. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to agree with you. I, I, you know what? And I hate it because they spurned me last week. I really thought they could pull out the win, and they should have pulled out the win. I'm going to say Notre Dame minus five and a half. I just think in terms of talent, Notre Dame is by far a better team than Duke. Oh, I agree paper. with you by far. It's not even close. And but I think the quarterback play is going to play a huge factor. I think Sam Hartman, he didn't have a strong game against Ohio State. I think he puts up big numbers in this one against the Blue Devils. They really haven't had much competition other than the Clemson game. And they've looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. But like I said, has been against top-tier opponents. So I think, you know, the... Hype around the team right now is it is great. I I like to see right now what they're doing, but I think Notre Dame wants to make a statement after their a really embarrassing loss, and I think they're going to do it, especially in prime time. I think they get it done and they win this one, and I think they they I I'm not going to say by by ten, but I think they'll be able to cover and win the one. So give me Notre Dame minus five and a half. Okay, so there you have it. Uh, lots of great picks this week. Uh, the rushing hour is my favorite thing to do. Uh, Nick, are, is there anything you have to say? Anything about picks before we kind of end it here today? Uh, I hope for a better week this week than last week. I can tell you that. But I think, you know, it's been a, a nice, fun start to the college football season. It's only been four weeks in, but we've had a lot of crazy endings. And I'm sure we'll have a lot more as the season goes on. But nine games that we talked about here in the Mushing Hour. I'm sure there will be a game that we didn't discuss that will probably be in our topics next week as you never know what college football. Always have to expect the unexpected when it comes down to it. But that's going to do it for this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Week 4 is in the books. Week 5 is just approaching us here in the college football season. We'll have to see how it all unfolds and how these teams and the top 25 polls will do as they try to make that push for the national championship. This has been Nicholas Pavona joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.